It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Oklahoma Sooners are in the midst of their offensive coordinator search. Who's it going to be? We'll talk about that and so much more on tonight's episode of Locked On Sooners Live. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com to make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. And before we get too deep into the show, Josh, I think we need to wish a very special congratulations to one of our favorite you know followers listeners subscribers and many of yours as well good old gunny of stutzman army who had a baby this last week so congratulations to you man hope you and the wife are getting some good rest uh in these early days enjoy all the early days because they go by real real quickly but congrats man the oklahoma sooners in the midst of a big big offensive coordinator search you know it, it's easy to kind of get overly stressed about this but at the same time, you look at Joe Castiglione's history and the success that Oklahoma's had in their assistant coach hires, and you feel pretty comfortable. I feel pretty comfortable. I, usually I'm like, you know, searching constantly for, okay, what's going to happen? But I'm pretty relaxed about where Oklahoma's headed in, in this search. I feel like there's a lot of really good options. Josh, where do you stand with the offensive coordinator search? How are you feeling about it? And where do you think Oklahoma ends up landing in, in that direction? Well, I'm excited about it. I, I think it's uh, it's fun when you have this. And at least so far, Dozy Ezukama aside, we'll talk about that. I, I don't know that this is going to have these bad ripple effects for Oklahoma on the recruiting side. Obviously, that that remains to be seen. But uh, I tend to think it's it's going to be okay for Oklahoma. So if that's the case then the rest of it I think is exciting. Well, what does the future look like for Oklahoma offensively? Is it an in-house hire with Latrell, with Wells, with Joe John Finley? Emmett Jones uh, has is, has been a name that some have tossed around. Or is it uh, out of Oklahoma hire? I tend to think that this is going to wind up as an in-house hire and that it's either Latrell or Wells. But uh, I look, I, I told you yesterday – my home run, top of the wish list higher for me is Andy Kotelnicki from Kansas. If you can do that with Rock Chalk Jayhawk, come on down to Norman, Oklahoma, where you got better talent, you've got uh, access to better recruits. So that, that to me would be top of the wish list. But there's a number of intriguing candidates. And the number one thing I hope for Oklahoma is make it thorough. Don't, don't rush this thing because you got the December early signing period sneaking up here in, uh, well, a month's time or so, right? Be thorough. Give this thing a week. Give it two weeks. Properly vet candidates. And then whatever Brent Venables feels is the correct choice. Okay, let's run with it. 
Yeah, and it, it seems like you know they've got a a group of names that they're going to explore at least, and I, I feel like they're moving quick on this, and and it doesn't seem like it's going to be one of those that lingers into bowl season. I think we'll find out pretty quickly in, inside the next week. It wouldn't surprise me if if that decision comes down before we even get to championship weekend. You know, just because I feel like that's something they want to have settled. I don't necessarily think that quote unquote rushing it. But in this day and age, when you can interview guys over Zoom, like, I mean, they could have had, you know, 10 interviews on Monday and kind of come to a decision or at least been able to get all the information to where they can then come to a decision. Uh, it, it's, it, you know, Joe Castiglione talked about when Lincoln Riley left that he's kind of got a list of guys that he keeps in his desk who he would want to explore for head coach. And I, I feel like the same is true for offensive coordinator. And if by all accounts, you know, you listen to Teddy and Gabe over on uh, the Oklahoma breakdown or, or anywhere else. And everybody's kind of talking about the idea that this was part of the plan. This was part of the expectation with Jeff Levy almost is that he'd come here and within one or two years, he'd be gone. He'd be out the door going somewhere else. There was a little bit of a flirtation with Alabama last uh, early spring, but that was for the offensive coordinator job. And it seemed like as soon as a head coaching opportunity would came up, he would jump at the chance. One, given the background, given the, you know, the history with the Bryles family, who know you, you don't know how many offers were going to come for him. You know, you don't know how many, you know, uh, universities were going to be willing to take that baggage on. Uh, now there is one that did. And so he jumped at the, at the, at the job. And so it doesn't surprise me or wouldn't surprise me if they've kind of already vetted a lot of these at times in the past, um, at least in the background, and now are able to do a little bit more thorough interviews. As far as the in-house thing goes, man, I don't mind an in-house. It really doesn't bother me. If they feel like that that is the best you know, person for the job, then by all means, let them have it. You know, to me, and I've had this conversation, you know, with some friends and family and stuff over the last few days, Jeff Levy just never fit to me personality wise with Brent Venables. Uh, you know, Brent Venables was not just in a, you know, Brent Venables is more humble. He's willing to take, you know, accountability and responsibility for when things go well, or really when things go poorly, when things go well, like they put, he puts a lot of the praise on the players. Now with Jeff Levy, it seemed like when things didn't go well, he was willing, he wanted to shift accountability to somewhere else. Uh, you know, we talk aggressiveness and we talk mindset in game. Brent Venables has a very aggressive mindset. He's willing to go for it on fourth down. He's willing to, to blitz like crazy. Jeff Levy just didn't never seem as aggressive as Brent Venables. So you go to a guy like Seth Luttrell, who just seems to have maybe a little bit more of an aggressive mindset. And maybe it's a better match personality wise. Now, one could say that it's good to have balance. I don't know. But I think they're going to have really good options to look into. Uh, you know, I wrote a couple pieces over at Sooners Wire. One was just kind of a spin on uh, Ryan Aber's piece over at the Oklahoman that looked into, okay, why does Seth Luttrell make sense? I think continuity matters. Having continuity, you know, you already are losing a coach. If you can bridge the gap a little bit and have a guy come in and have that, that same terminology, keep that, keep a lot of it the same, keep a lot of the scheme the same, a lot of the philosophy the same. I think that matters. I think that's basically what you're the question you're asking when you say in-house out of program hire is how important is continuity here? And 
maybe maybe that's the most important detail, John. Maybe it is. And I know that uh, obviously Seth Luttrell and Matt Wells didn't uh, run, don't run the exact same offense as Jeff Levy. But guess what? They've been here studying set offense. So if you want to stick with what you've been doing, theoretically, hypothetically, those two guys that are in-house, have called plays before, have sat in that seat, have been head coaches, that might be the reason to go that direction. I don't, and this is no disrespect to, to these gentlemen, I don't view Joe John Finley, I don't view Bill Bedenboe, I don't view Emmett Jones as legitimate candidates here for Oklahoma because I think Oklahoma will go proven play callers, somebody that has experience in that role so probably it's not going to be those in-house names. To me, I'm thinking Latrell or Wells, and those are the in-house names we're talking about here. And maybe that continuity, John, maybe that is the most important detail as we think about uh, Jackson Arnold and the jump to the SEC. I could be sold on that. Yeah, and I totally hear where you're coming from. I I agree on you know Bill Bedenboe, you know, great offensive line coach, and and maybe at some point he could be an offensive coordinator. You just don't seem it just doesn't seem like he's on that trajectory. If that makes sense, you know, somebody who's going to call plays now, help you design your offense, help you game plan, all that stuff. Yeah, I could see that. Same for Joe John Finley. I, I think maybe the opportunity is there in the future, but given what is at stake for Oklahoma. In the next few years, do you want to break in a rookie play caller? I, I don't know if you want to go that route. Emmett Jones, I mean, the guy, he was Texas Tech's passing game coordinator, and we saw what Texas Tech did to Oklahoma at the end of the 2022 season when they just lit up the Sooners. So that one I, I could see making a little bit more sense because maybe he has a little bit more experience in the game planning aspect. But again, he hasn't called plays and that is a big part of being the offense coordinator. You got to have a feel for how to call plays in game. And yes, you know, maybe Seth Luttrell doesn't have the, the traditional experience of success. And we can talk more about some of his, uh, his route to Oklahoma. We'll talk through some of the more, uh, the other options, maybe at offensive coordinator that Oklahoma should discuss. We'll talk more about all that here after the break. Today's episode brought to us by FanDuel Sportsbook. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers, they're sticking red hot on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning, that's any winning, $5 money line bet. What does that mean? Well, it means pick a team, money line, your team wins. That's 150 bucks for you. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than right now to get in on the action. We tell you all the time, but the app, it's super easy to use. Wide range of betting options, uh, not limited, but also including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on to keep rolling through this NFL season in style. Just, uh, again, some of the conference championship game numbers out there. Oregon is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite over Washington in a, a number that uh, befuddles a little bit. Texas, 14-and-a-half-point favorite over Oklahoma State. Georgia has jumped up a point since yesterday. It's now six-and-a-half. The dogs favored over Alabama. So those are some of the uh, numbers this week in conference championship week in college football. But head on over again, FanDuel.com slash FanDuel.com slash on FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. And these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager. I'm sure that's what Brent Venables and uh, Joe Castiglione are feeling right now as they get ready to make an offensive coordinator hire. 
That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. If you've ever been a part of hiring, sometimes, it, I mean, you just don't know what you're getting. A resume is one thing, an interview can help, but if you don't know the right questions to ask, you can kind of be left, you know, playing darts in the dark. You know, you're just throwing throwing stuff at a dartboard and hoping that you get the right person for your job. So you got to go to LinkedIn Jobs. You got to use that purple hi uh, hiring frame that lets people know that you are hiring. Hiring is easy when you have that many qualified candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours by using LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. So go to linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And shout out to every, every day you're here on the Locked On Sooners podcast and the Locked On Podcast Network. If you're into what Locked On does, go check out one of your favorite teams elsewhere on the Locked On Network. We've got every major professional sport covered as well as college football here with Locked On Sooners. If you want to get ready for SEC, go check out our man Chris Gordy at Locked On SEC. Josh, the offensive coordinator, man, that, that discussion is not going to stop until we have a hire. But you know, you talked about the guy at Kansas. I really think the the dude up at Washington is an interesting idea. But considering how tied to Kalen DeBoer he is, they've been coaching on the same staff since 2007. He has a longer relationship with Kalen DeBoer or about as long a relationship with Kalen DeBoer as I do with my wife. That's how stuck together they are. So it's, it's fascinating. And then the dude from Liberty, I think, is an intriguing name as well. Uh, has some ties to Clemson, although that's before Brent Venables was there. Uh, so an intriguing option there as well. So any any other names or how do you feel like the Sooners should continue to progress in this coordinator search? Let me ask you this. Yeah. Who would you qualify as potential home run hires for Oklahoma? See, that's the thing. I, I just don't – I don't know because if you looked at Jeff Lebby, I mean, would you have considered that a home run hire at the time? Yes. I, I don't – yeah, you did? Okay. I thought it was a good hire. I, I you know, I, I think there was some, I, I still had a little bit of um, hesitation toward it because, you know, he was making the step from, you know, yeah, he was okay at Ole Miss, but you hear the way Ole Miss people talked about it and they were kind of ready for the guy to leave too. Um, you know, things didn't necessarily end there on a, on a high note. I do think Willie Korn would be an, an intriguing hire the way that he was able to help turn Coastal Carolina around. And then, you know, they just went and had a 12 and 0 season in their first year in Conference USA and might have, you know, Liberty playing in a, uh, a New Year's Six Bowl if they continue to or can close out the season with a win in the Conference USA Championship. So it's an intriguing name, but I think it's hard for me to, to imagine pulling a guy like, uh, Man, I'm blanking on his name tonight, and I apologize. The guy from Washington, or even a Willie Crown away. Yeah, thank you, Grub. Pulling Grub away from Washington. You know, there, there are people talking about you know uh, Sharon Moore out of uh, out of Michigan. I just don't see him taking a lateral move. You know, from and sorry, that's not meant to be disrespectful to Oklahoma, but if you're going from 
offensive coordinator, offensive line coach at one spot to offensive coordinator at another spot. To me, you're not really taking a step up and you're going from Michigan, which is a great school with a great program and, and great opportunity to Oklahoma. Again, it's a lateral move. In my opinion, I feel like his next move is to a head coaching position. If he makes a move, um, you know, a lot of people talking about Joe Brady. I just don't think Joe Brady is coming to college football again. I think he's staying in the NFL Word is he doesn't like to recruit. And that's a, that's a big problem. Dana Holgerson just got fired because he doesn't like to recruit chip Kelly at UCLA. The rumor was he was going to get fired because he doesn't really like to recruit. You got to be able to recruit at the college football level. You can't rely on just your assistants to do the job. Uh, Sean Lewis, Crimson Omen mentioned Sean Lewis. I think that's a really intriguing name as well. I felt like with what he did at Colorado, to me, that's that's the the wild card name. You know, he got play calling strip duty stripped from the middle of the season, but they were averaging 32 points per game before they stripped those play calling uh, duties. He was good, and he he's a well respected name across college football. And did all of that despite not having an offensive line. Uh, and so to me, that's really impressive. Um, I, I know people are throwing out Brendan Marion a lot at, at UNLV. I saw um, Brandon Drum talk about him on, on Twitter today. I'm not super familiar with the guy. But again, if, if UNLV has a great offense, you got to take notice of the offensive coordinator that's directing that. Because it's been some time since I feel like the you know UNLV was having really really good offensive production. The other name uh, that uh, you hear bandied about, not as just a super realistic candidate, so to speak, but uh, maybe a little bit off the beaten path, is Andy Ludwig from from Utah is sort of an intriguing name yeah. because of the success that they've had, obviously. And then you think about again upgrading in talent across the board. The you give me somebody like that is okay. I. I you could talk me into that a little bit, but yeah, Willie Korn, I think it's pretty exciting potentially uh, from Liberty. Obviously he did uh, really good things with Carol coastal Carolina before that. And uh, again, they're just setting the world on fire offensively again, this season already told you about uh, coastal Nikki. He would be uh, a good name. I don't think uh, Stein from Oregon is realistic. I would put him in the category with grub and with more that probably those names aren't going to happen for Oklahoma, but just about everybody else that we've talked about, John, I think is is a possibility. Yeah, and, and the Willie Corn thing is really intriguing to me. Again, does does he want to bounce from his guy? You know, the the Jamie Chadwell. Does he want to move on from his kind of mentor? His his I almost used a <laughs> sacrilegious word, but no, I, I feel like that's a really intriguing name. But and and the dude is super young. He could be one of those guys that's only here for a few years before. You know, he he moves on. I've been seeing, you know, people talk about the the North Texas situation with Seth Luttrell. Listen, not every situation is always going to be set up for success. If you followed North Texas football for much of the last 20 years, that's been a school that's been really, really difficult to win at. It doesn't matter who's gone there. It, it's just struggled to put together really good football teams. And Seth Luttrell actually had them quite a bit competitive during his tenure there, had him in bowl games, I think four out of five seasons and had offenses that were pretty productive. Uh, so I, I wouldn't just sit there and just crap on the guy simply because it didn't work out at North Texas. It's not an easy place to win. It's not, you know, you're, you're in the Dallas Fort Worth, just outside the Dallas Fort Worth Metro. 
and trying to recruit kids to go play in Denton. And if you've not been to Denton or spent a lot of time in Denton, unless you're doing music, it's not really a great place to be uh, because there's just not a whole lot there. And you're 40, you know, 30, 45 minutes away from Dallas or Fort Worth where there actually is stuff to do and much further from Arlington where you can go see some ball games. So don't just crap on the, on the idea just because of North Texas. I, I grew up in the North Texas area. I've watched that program for a long, 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 long time. There's, it's just hard to have a lot of success there with the mean green. Um, that said, he has had success helping offenses move and grow and things like that. So I'm, I'm not against it. And, you know, Oki, yes, we're going to the SEC, not the AAC. Agreed. Jeff Levy was at the AAC, then went to the SEC. The Liberty guy, he's he's in Conference USA. You know, Willie Willie Corn, he's in Conference USA. Uh, Lincoln you know, Riley was Lincoln uh, Riley. Yes, was an Eastern Carolina guy. I, I'm not caught up in the the conferences element of of any of this and the track record for either Latrell or Wells from a head coaching standpoint is is not of great concern to me. Uh, what what has the preeminent program this side of Georgia over the last quarter century or 20 years in college football, 15 years in college football done at Alabama, and especially of late, well, that's been the Nick Saban rehabilitation tour. So why can't Oklahoma do that? Why can't Oklahoma take a failed head coach that uh, is a great offensive mind and have them run the show? So that part for me, I'm not concerned about that. It uh, – it wouldn't scare me off that Latrell or Wells, you would categorize them as failed head coaches. You're not hiring them to be the head coach. Yeah. What the Wells thing is a little bit in, I feel a little bit less okay about Wells because aside from the year that Jordan Love just had a great season and had Utah State, you know, playing in I, I want to say Mountain West Championship or whatever. Aside from that, things hadn't really turned out too great for Matt Wells. Again, I'm not going to say he can't ever be a great offensive mind or a great offensive coordinator, but just the track record there to me is not as good outside of having an NFL quarterback. You know, do you have to have an NFL quarterback to be successful or can you be successful with lesser talent at Texas Tech? It didn't seem like he could be successful with lesser talent. Again, it could be a totally different story at Oklahoma when you're going to get a guy like Jackson Arnold and you're going to get top flight wide receivers and good offensive line play. We'll see. But speaking of wide receivers, one of the 2024 wide receivers has decommitted from Oklahoma. We'll talk about that and a little bit more on the recruiting side of things here after the break. If I can find it. Basketball season. It's here heading into full swing and with prize picks the number one place for daily fantasy sports. You can now pick combo projections across football and basketball while we're still cooking in football season as well from their specials league. It's a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues, such as, for instance, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at, let's say, a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made plus receptions. Do you like more than, less than, whichever side you want? You can jump in and get involved in the action with prize picks. They even offer their reboot policy. This is great, so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an insurance 
policy. So go to prizepicks.com backslash locked on college. Use our code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. That's a first deposit match up to $100 when you go to prizepicks.com backslash locked on college and use our code locked on college. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one-selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Josh, should we roll through some of the comments and questions on the offensive coordinator stuff before we move on to the recruiting things and the SEC schedule tees and all that? Yes. Uh, two other names, by the way, that uh, Plank brought up this morning that I think would be surprise candidates, but because of their ties to Brent Venables aren't totally unthinkable. Uh, one of the names that uh, he mentioned was Jeff Scott, who uh, was – previously the head coach at South Florida didn't go great but again obviously those two that they were around one another when he was the co-offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach from 15 to 19 and then uh, how about this name that I'll throw at you Chad Morris does that do anything for you I, it doesn't excite me all that much but those would both be two other names that have a history with Brent Venables no no on Chad Morris, please. Just I think no on no on both, and uh, I think the the names that we started with is probably probably the name we're going to finish with. One of them. Yeah, it, to me, it just seems like it's it's going to be Seth Luttrell. Um, real quick on on Kale Gundy, people keep bringing that up. He's not coming back. You know, Brent Venables. He accepted his resignation. He didn't have to. He could have you know, buried everything if you wanted to not buried, but addressed it and moved on. That's not, it's not happening. He's not coming. He might be associated with the program. He might come around. He might, you know, go do events and things like that, but he's not going to be on staff and he's not going to be the offensive coordinator. And I get like, yes, they were really good in the Alamo bowl against Oregon a few years back. And people have tried to tell me, okay, he was next in line or, or Bob was going to give him the offensive coordinator job at, at one point. My my question to people on that is, well, why did it never happen? You know, yes, he's a great recruiter, but is he like a great offensive coordinator? I just don't know if we know that. What do you think about uh, some of the buzz that's starting to percolate out there? Bedenboe, DeMarco, any of these names, are you concerned? I'm not concerned about Bill Bedenboe leaving. He wants to be at Oklahoma. I feel like that's as simple as I can make it, you know, obviously nothing in life is simple, but what, what was the talk whenever, you know, Lincoln Riley left and he was kind of waiting on that Oklahoma offer from Brent Venables. He wanted to be here. You know, he wants to be in Oklahoma. He's made this his home. His family's here. His family's family's here. You know, he wants to be in the sooner state. So I don't imagine, you know, Jeff Levy prying him away. DeMarco, now that could be another story. You know, at some point you you do have to ask yourself, do you want to see upward mobility? You know, if you're not going to be the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma, 
if Jeff Levy's offering offensive coordinator, it wouldn't surprise me if he jumped at that idea, but he's not going to have a chance to call the plays. He'll be more of part of the offensive design and, and game planning and all that. So to me, it's just, it's a step up for a title. Um, not so much a step up to take on opportunity to call plays. So I, I could see it happening. And yet, while, yeah, that would affect Oklahoma's recruiting, especially at running back. I don't necessarily think it affects um, it in totality, you know, like, could it affect Taylor Tatum? Sure. Could it affect Xavier Robinson? Maybe, but I think Xavier Robinson's commitment is maybe a little bit deeper than just DeMarco Murray. Uh, could it affect, you know, really Brown who apparently Oklahoma has reached out to according to some of the, the, the insiders um, on the recruiting trail, maybe at the same time, you're Oklahoma. You recruited running backs really, really well before DeMarco Murray got here. You're going to continue to recruit running backs really, really well if DeMarco Murray decides to leave. And that's not a shot at DeMarco Murray. That's just the reality. It's the same at the wide receiver position, right? Like we talk about all the time. We're never going to worry about Oklahoma being able to find good wide receivers because they've been doing so for the last 25 years. They'll continue to find good running backs as well. I like DeMarco. I think he's a good coach. I think he helps you know this team as a recruiting coach. And he helps get them ready and, and game plan at the same time. I'm okay. You know, like not, I'm not okay with it. I think Oklahoma will be okay. If DeMarco Murray decides to leave and the same with Joe John, if Joe John decides to leave, I think they will be okay. They'll figure out tight end Davin Mitchell. He's still coming to Oklahoma. That's not changing. So I think it'll be okay. They'll figure out who to put in. I mean, if, if Seth Luttrell, becomes the offensive coordinator. If Joe John Finley decides to leave, well, Seth Rochelle can be your offensive coordinator, tight ends coach. Yeah, it would just be surprising to have turned down the opportunity to jump to USC if you were looking for this opportunity to jump somewhere else, which, oh, by the way, and I know all the animosity and venom and everything there, but the program's USC versus Mississippi State, the two right. programs we're talking about here. And, oh, by the way, the situations hypothetically are the same in the sense that Lincoln Riley's calling plays there and Jeff Levy's calling plays in Mississippi State. So unless the offer comes down that either DeMarco or Biedenboe or Joe John legitimately get to call plays at Mississippi State, which you wouldn't think that that would be on the table, again, uh, I think it's a – dangerous game as a first-time head coach to take away what is your greatest strength, right? Your ability to call plays if you're Jeff Levy. So I don't know, man. That sounds to me a little far-fetched that it would happen. I would believe that if and when we see that. Yeah. I mean, there's there's always the possibility that assistance could follow. It's just, it's the nature of the game. Relationships are what drive collegiate athletics or even any athletics. Like you you know, I had a buddy who took a high school coaching job, you know, went from one spot to another spot here in Oklahoma and took several of his, of his assistants with him. It's relationships. You take who you trust. And so it doesn't surprise me that Jeff Levy is trying to get guys on staff to come with him because he, those are the guys he knows. He doesn't have this big coaching tree. And so he's got to reach out to the guys that he knows. And that's fair. Like it, it's part of the game of college football. Turnover happens all the time at the collegiate level. It's a little bit frustrating, but it's just the reality of sports, especially for assistant coaches. I mean, they're always on the move. I mean, you look back at Jay Valai's coaching history and, and it's nonstop. Now, you know, there's been some buzz that maybe Jay Valai is looking 
to go elsewhere. And to me, that'd be a name I'd be the most concerned about losing just because I feel like he's done a fantastic job recruiting cornerback over the last couple of years that I think it, it would be a bummer. Now that doesn't mean that Oklahoma couldn't get somebody in that can recruit cornerbacks, but I mean, with what we're seeing, I, I feel really, really good about who Oklahoma's recruiting. It's just a matter of, okay, we got to keep some continuity on staff. Yeah, you, you want that. And as you pointed out, look, if you're Jeff Levy and you take this job and it's your first head coaching gig, it would be head coaching malpractice to not call DeMarco Murray, to right. not call Bill Biedenboe, to not call Joe John Finley, basically everybody on the Oklahoma offensive coaching staff. It, it would be, I mean, hey, it'd be noble. It'd be nice to not call those guys, but to expect that he's not going to do that would be pretty naive. And, you know, similarly, probably uh, probably you're not going to turn a phone call away if one of these players on Oklahoma's roster reaches out to you either, though. It feels like everything's, for the most part, feeling pretty stable so far uh, in all of this. So we'll see. I mean, if, if Jeff Levy's the only departure for Oklahoma uh, offensively, then okay, then – that's that's not really that dangerous for OU. Yeah. No, it's huge, man. It, it ha, having as much continuity in the roster and the coaching staff that's that's incredibly key for this staff as they get ready to go to the SEC. We touched on the biggest one in our show on Monday morning. Jackson Arnold sticking around, Michael Hawkins sticking around, Zion Kearney sticking around, Davin Mitchell sticking around. You're seeing all these, you know, David Stone sticking around. Like nothing's changing for any of these guys as we end up, you know, as we go into the off season, early signing periods just around the corner. I don't think we see a ton of turnover. I could see, I could see some of these maybe, you know, offensive players that aren't getting a ton of playing time that have, you know, a good relationship with Jeff Levy. If he, you know, if they want to see that they maybe have an opportunity at Mississippi state, it wouldn't surprise me to see them, you know, pursue that as well. But I think for the most part, your guys that are part of your core that are playing a lot, they're sticking around. I mean, these are Oklahoma guys that committed to Oklahoma and, you know, Brent Venables talked about it when he got here, commit to the, to the school, not to the coach. And I think we got a lot of guys that are, that are committing to the school and not the coach. And if at least not the assistant coaches, you know, they're committing to the head coach. So one guy who has decommitted from Oklahoma, this is Dozy Ezukanma, the three-star wide receiver out of the Fort Worth area, All Saints Episcopal. Uh, the brother to Eric Ezukanma, the NFL wide receiver and former Texas Tech wide receiver. Uh, this one, it's surprising. It's surprising that it came down, but it's also not surprising. Oklahoma's got had five wide receivers committed to their 2024 class. Uh, Zion Kearney, Zion Raggins, KJ Daniels, Ivan Carrion, and Dozy Ezukanma. And they've got a bunch of dudes coming back next year. Assuming Andrew Anthony comes back, Nick Anderson, Jaden Gibson, possibly Jalil Farouk, Jaquez Petaway, Gavin Freeman. I mean, and then that doesn't even touch on guys like LV Bunkley Shelton and JJ Hester. Who knows, man? I mean, the roster is deep at wide receiver as it is. And then you add the 2024 signees, assuming they sign. And it's kind of hard to imagine finding playing time. And, unless you just are that much better than your star rating suggests. Yeah. And I mean, really the question we're asking here is, is this going to be a sign of things to come for Oklahoma? And if the answer is just this, then probably you're okay. Right. Because think about, we, we said this the other day, Oklahoma is 
entering next season in a totally different world at wide receiver from where we entered this past season where there were all sorts of questions about the production and who's going to be there. Now, all of a sudden, we got those big uh, second jump seasons from Nick Anderson, from Jaden Gibson. So you have that. Uh, Andrew Anthony, right? You hope that, uh, I mean, I would imagine he's going to be back in the fold. Saw a bunch of good things from Andrell. He was your leading receiver before he he got hurt. So wide receiver already. The cupboard is pretty stocked up for Oklahoma. And, oh, by the way, even minus Dozie as a comma, you've got, assuming that it stays in place, the rest of it, where it's at right now. John, it's a heck of a 24 recruiting class. Yeah, and then 2025 looks like it's going to be a banger just after that. I mean, they've already got three wide receivers. or Yeah, three, I think two or three wide receivers. I didn't look at it, but they've got several wide receivers already committed to the 2025 class that are four-star better and still going after some big-time prospects. And that, Terry Bussey, is not off the table because it's Oklahoma. You don't rule anything out. You never count, your, you know, you never, uh, count yourself out of any recruitment just like we saw with Peyton Bowen last year, it would not surprise me uh, to see uh, them flip somebody big time here down the stretch. Uh, I, I don't think that we're going to see a whole lot of decommitments from Oklahoma. I, I made the bold prediction that Dozy was probably going to be the only one. Um, and I, I feel pretty confident in that because this, this recruiting class seems really connected and really tight for the most part. And they want to play together. They want to come into this thing together and they want to go to the SEC together. And they all seem really locked into Oklahoma. Again, David Stone's locked in. He's your your highest rated player. Michael Hawkins, your quarterback. He's locked in. Those are the two most influential players in this recruiting cycle. And they're locked in. So I don't imagine a whole lot much else changes on that. Should we get into some SEC schedule talk there, Josh? We should, uh, just uh, on the subject that you mentioned, Jaden Nickens, Elijah Thomas, and uh, Grayson Harris all already committed in the 2025 class. But yes, the SEC, as it were. Yeah, SEC schedule tease a little bit. Uh, We got Tennessee is who Oklahoma will open their SEC schedule with third or fourth week of September or the fourth week of the regular season. I think it's September 21 was the date on that. And then... The Oklahoma Sooners get Alabama on November 23rd, the week before rivalry week, which man, that's going to be fun, dude, because if Oklahoma's good, that one's going to have big time SEC title game implications, college football playoff implications as we head down the stretch. I mean, that's a college game day type atmosphere in Norman that second to last weekend of the regular season, man, the, the schedule is going to be, crazy it's going to be absolutely crazy because you're going to be going from you know tennessee to Ole miss to texas to you know alabama at the end of it you're got you're gonna have missouri i presume auburn yeah auburn presumably you got missouri the last week of the season i would imagine and then you're probably going to be playing lsu at night at some you know somewhere in there which is going to be crazy as well yeah no it's uh what we've been waiting on multiple years now, ever since the first news came down that Oklahoma was going to be pulling the trigger and making this jump. You've been waiting for these types of games on the schedule home really and away, but definitely in Norman. And to know that you're going, going to open with the return of, of Hypel and -hmm. Tennessee obviously has uh, some big time juice to it. And they've with their success, 
the last couple of years, it, it makes that a really exciting uh, SEC opener for Oklahoma. And then I love the fact that, yes, Alabama is going to be, as the season starts to crescendo, what uh, a, a former former head coach like to uh, coin as championship November around here. But, hey, maybe we don't use that term anymore. But bottom line is when the schedule's starting to heat up to welcome Alabama in late, I mean, whether it's Alabama with a lot to play for, we hope Oklahoma's still a lot to play for, it just doesn't get much better than that, that you're going to get to play Alabama late in the season. I love that that's the late game rather than the early in the season game because, man, the the, the fan base that day, it's going to be – it's going to be Notre Dame. It's going to be Ohio State. It's going to be insert, uh, you know, Texas Tech jump around, but bigger than that, just in terms of the blue blood status. Now, the jump around game obviously is tough to beat because of the implications and stakes that were on the line and how well Oklahoma played that day. But just the the sheer blue blood opponents, I mean, the the feeling that you had walking to Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium for that Notre Dame, for that Ohio State game. Those would be the two recent ones. You say recent, and now Notre Dame was quite some time ago. But uh, those would be the most recent games that are going to have anything similar to what that Alabama game day is going to feel like. It's going to be awesome. It really will be awesome. And has a chance to be another, you know, a, a primetime game or or at least an afternoon kick, you know, to really take advantage of the atmosphere and and really build that up. I really think that the SEC would be wise to make that a you know at least a two thirty three o'clock kick if not a primetime game, but that late in the season having that type of a game that type of an environment with potential big time implications on the line that's what that's why Oklahoma is going to the SEC for that right there, as opposed to playing BYU the second to last week of the season. Now no no disrespect to BYU, a great atmosphere, a great environment, but you're going because you get these big environments back and hopefully you're a, you're a competitive team and you've got a lot to play for as November goes along. All right, Josh, take us through the comment section, man. Hit us up with something good. Larry uh, chimes in. Sure. Need Danny Stutzman and Billy, Billy, Billy to come back for the first year in the sec, which by the way, fantastic play-by-play call from one Toby Rowland. Uh, that, that was amazing from T-Row, which, Hey, you know, uh, flu game and all, but uh, we expect that from Toby Rowland. It would be gigantic for Oklahoma. If you could get one of the two back, if you get both back, then, uh, obviously the type of stability that that would provide. We talk about continuity with what's going to happen with this OC hire, but you know, continuity in terms of the players on the field, probably the most important thing. Yeah, if you get Danny Stutzman to come back for one more year, you get Billy Bowman to come back for one more year, dude, I, I really feel like that sets you up to improve even further than what you did from 22 to 23. It, it gives you a chance to continue to get better. And I, I really – I think one of them comes back at least. I mean, both guys I think are probably, probably could be top 100 picks in this next year's NFL draft. But – if they come back and they produce at the same level against SEC competition, I mean, they could thrust themselves into, you know, top 50 picks, you know, Billy Bowman could become a, you know, a a top 40 pick Danny Stutzman the same, like now safety linebacker. They're not necessarily high priority positions in the NFL draft, but 
there's a chance that they could even further solidify themselves in that top 50, top 100 range. What do you make of this? Which, by the way, clandestine syndicate sends it in, and that is a fabulous name. Uh, it's from like Assassin's Creed or something. A clandestine syndicate. Heard Levy was a good NIL guy. What does that even mean? I'm here to tell you, I don't know. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means that, hey, here's what you can get at Oklahoma, and our pitch is pretty good, and all of a sudden you you close the deal. So I, I don't know if that means you're a good fundraiser. It could mean a lot of different things. But uh, suffice it to say, whether Levy's a good NIL guy or not, Oklahoma's going to be just fine on the name, image, likeness front. Uh, I think that they've proven to be I, – I said this last offseason. We talked about it on a number of different occasions, John. Oklahoma doesn't do what it did out of the portal without being a successful name image likeness program. So if that is any sort of concern for you, I'm here to tell you it shouldn't be. Yeah. I'm not concerned about whether or not Jeff Levy was a good NIL uh, salesman, recruiter, salesman, ha- uh, fundraiser. You know, I- I'm not worried about that. You know, you got Joe Castiglione, you got Joseph Harris, you've got Oklahoma's NIL arm that it's going to be fine. They, I mean, they get people donating millions of dollars at a time for softball stadiums and, you know, for workout facilities. Like this is Oklahoma, man. There's only one Oklahoma. Indeed. Indeed. What else do we have out there from uh, the folks? Lone Wolf, just make Emmett Jones happy. Please. Yes, please. But like, please give him something that is going to keep him around in Norman for some time because he might be your best recruiter. And I think he's got those guys, especially Nick Anderson and Jaden Gibson playing at a level that, and I said it about Jaden Gibson, like the dude's got an attitude that we haven't seen in Norman since CD lamb. He's got an edge about him. And if he can continue to develop his game and, and build up his you know strength and his size, I mean, he could have that same kind of an impact as CD lamb did Nick Anderson. I mean, the dude is just fluid. He's smooth. He's playing great ball. I mean, he had nine touchdowns. He had a breakout season this year. Now get a little bit more consistent, cut down on some of the drops and he could elevate to a star uh, in the next couple of years as well. Here's uh, another argument for Latrell or Wells from crimson omen. Venables could use a former head coach for game management purposes, though. I would say, I do think Oklahoma largely improved in that regard. And uh, Venables obviously, you know, to some degree, probably leaned on those guys during the offseason. If not, you know, in game, probably, I, I don't know. You couldn't really, I, you're not, I, I don't think you're supposed to be having much contact with analysts, right? In game. But long story short, I, I hear what you're saying. And uh, there was, I think, growth made there by Brent Venables in Oklahoma. But it doesn't hurt to have somebody else that sat in the, that type of seat. Yeah, absolutely. He's got experience as a play caller. He knows game management. I think that that helps a lot for sure. You can't have too many voices in your ear saying, Hey, let's take a time out here. Hey, let's go for it here. Hey, you know, this is what the analytics are saying here, you know, and, and being able to make adjustments in game. I I think having that experience matters as well. You know, being, having been a head coach, having been a coordinator for a long, long time and, you know, going through the adjustment part of it going through the feel of the game and, and being able to make critical decisions at critical times that matters man and and we know that jeff levy struggled with that and that's at the kansas game the oklahoma state game are, are evidence that you know he struggled in critical you know critical situations to make the right decision at times 
Are you ready for Corn Dog to return to the state of Oklahoma? Willie Corn from Liberty. Uh, Blake wants Corn from Liberty to get a strong look. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think he should get an interview. He should, if they're interested, if there's mutual interest there, then they should interview him. To, to me, though, he looks like the guy that's about to come start the next uh, church plant in Norman, uh, just based on the way he looks. Um, but he, he just looks like a, a millennial dude that's going to give you a cup of coffee and, and welcome you to uh, his, uh, his new church. But no, Willie Korn, I, he, the success is there. I mean, he made Grayson McCall a household name at Coastal Carolina. He's helped Liberty go to a 12 and 0 record. Like this is a really good offensive coordinator. If he doesn't get snatched up by Oklahoma, eventually he will be on somebody in the power fives, you know, radar. Sooner fan says, uh, just joined and, uh, welcome. welcome aboard. We're happy. Uh, we're happy to have you in here. Let me ask you this before we get out of here and call it a night. And thanks to everybody for jumping in and hanging out with us. It's a, an interesting time in Oklahoma football, right? As you, you kind of go through this uh, little transition here with who are they going to hire? How important do you feel differently getting to sleep on it one more night and waking up today? And now you've got all these candidates out there in the, in the atmosphere. Do you feel stronger or less strong, less strongly that, Oklahoma needs to get this hire done quickly. Do they have time for this hire? Where are you at with all of that now? I feel like they've got time because you have locked in commitments from your big time players on the offensive side of the ball in the 2024 recruiting cycle. Jackson Arnold sticking around. If, if you had concern that Jackson Arnold might go, that Michael Hawkins wasn't going to stay, that, uh, you know, Zion Kearney might bail, that Davin Mitchell was out the door, then I'd say, let's make this thing happen quick so we can make sure we lock those guys in. At the same time, this is why it's so important to have Emmett Jones because he's been the primary recruiter for a lot of these things, for Davin Mitchell, for uh, Zion Kearney, for KJ Daniels, for Zion Reagans. Like Locking those guys down means you have a little bit of time to make the right call here. At the same time, sometimes making the right call can happen pretty quick too. So however long it takes to make it happen, I mean, it's going to happen in time. And I feel like they've got a pretty good idea of what they want and they've got a good idea, maybe even of who they want at this point. Since Sooner fan just jumped in, is guy from UNLV going to be ROC? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think Marion's going to get there. Um, not because he's not good. But I just feel like if it's not going to be an inside hire, I feel like they're going to reach a little bit higher up the the offensive coordinator experience chain or you know, look for somebody who's been more productive or has more experience of productivity um, and a bigger name, you know. Let's see here. Rob wants to know what's up with this. Levy talking with Murray. Is this true or nah? I mean, I can't tell. I can't tell you whether it's true or not. It sounds true. It sounds like something that's, you know, and, and guys that are out there reporting it, I, I have no reason to believe it's not accurate. And it's like we talked about earlier in the show that if you're not reaching out to the guys that you know about, Hey, come, come coach with me. Then you're not really doing your job as a head coach to build your staff. DeMarco Murray is a successful running backs coach. Why wouldn't you reach out to him? Now, whether DeMarco leaves or not, that's going to be the big question. 
No, that's right. Yeah. And what I said earlier, Rob, was to me, it basically boils down to is DeMarco, is Bill Bedenboe, Joe John Finley, if those three names were, say, three coaches that Levy was trying to pluck, are any of those three legitimately going to get greater oversight over offensive play calling? Are they outright going to get to call plays at Mississippi State? I wouldn't think so, but maybe that's a direction Levy wants to go, right? I mean, I, I can't imagine he would. I, I just think it's dangerous as a head coach to immediately give up what got you the gig as the head coach. So I just, to me, why would you leave Oklahoma where it's stable? You've got things headed in a positive direction. Look at this recruiting momentum Oklahoma's had for the last couple of years, especially, John. And you're going to leave that to not call plays at uh, at OU? Like I think about somebody like Joe John Finley. Here he weathers the storm of this season, right? And now all of a sudden you got Devon Mitchell coming in. Tight end play is about to get a lot better at Oklahoma, and then all of a sudden you would have a chance to leapfrog, go jump somewhere else, and really position yourself in a good way to be an offensive coordinator, a play caller, and then eventually to get that head coaching gig down the line. I think that's a safer route to to get to a head coaching gig if you're really any of those guys and you want to. Yeah, to me, if you're looking for upward mobility, I mean, the next step is, would be to be an offensive coordinator that's getting an opportunity to call plays, especially for Joe John Finley. I mean, he was kind of a de facto offensive coordinator this year where he was relaying the signals in on the sideline and was a big part of the game planning. So if you're going to Mississippi State, I mean, you need to go so that you can call plays and continue that upward track. I mean, for a guy like DeMarco Murray, I mean, getting the offensive coordinator title, that'd be a step up for him. And then at some point, though, He's going to have to look for a job that allows him to call the plays if that's what he wants down the road. So it, it's just a, it's just a, you got to know what these guys want and are they, are they of that mind where they want to, you know, chase the title and the career and and that upward mobility. And if so, more power to them, you're probably going to have to make moves in order to, to do that. You got to jump around to, to get that, that next step up. But, or do you want to be a guy like Bill Beatonbow that just seems very content in his role at Oklahoma, being the offensive line coach, you know, probably, you know, quote unquote, run, run game coordinator at some point, uh, uh, assistant head coach or associate head coach, something like that. But I mean, you kind of have to learn to be content. And, I, and we talked about this on our show yesterday. Brent Venables is a great example of being content where you're at and being patient and letting the right opportunity come to you because I mean, he waited it out. He waited on, the, the head coaching job that was going to be just the right fit for him at the right time. And this was it. He could have had any number of head coaching jobs over the last you know 25 years because of the success he's had as a defensive coordinator, but he bided his time and he waited it out. And now here we are. And so there, he's, he's got a great voice in this, but a lot of these guys are young, you know, Jay Valai's young, DeMarco Murray's young, Joe John, he's young. Uh, you know, they, they're going to have this, this career minded, you know, path that they want to pursue at, at some point, you don't want to just be a, a position coach forever. Some do, some don't, uh, some don't want to be offensive coordinators forever. They want to get that opportunity to be a head coach at some point. So it wouldn't surprise me to see some of them leave because at some point you got to, in order to take that next step up. And we don't know what, uh, ticks for everybody, no. right? I mean, Bill Beatonbo might be the happiest guy in the world being Oklahoma's offensive line coach seemed to be that way a couple of years ago when, uh, the USC situation uh, presented itself. And really, he was just, as we discussed earlier, waiting on the opportunity to stay here at Oklahoma. So, 
again, you kind of think that everybody wants to be a head coach, but we, I mean, we don't know that to be true. I think back to guys like Dick LeBeau, the Pittsburgh, you know, Steelers defensive coordinator. I mean, that dude was there forever as the DC. Now he had his opportunities as a head coach. It didn't work out well. Not every great coordinator makes a great coach, makes a great head coach. Sometimes you get a, a, you know, Dick LeBeau or Wade Phillips that, okay, maybe they had a little bit of success, but really they were at their best when they were just coordinators or, you know, you, you look at off, you know, assistants or position coaches. Sometimes you're at your best in that role and that's okay. Like not everybody has to be a great head coach. Not everybody has to be a great coordinator. Sometimes you're just great at what you do as a position coach. And some people just thrive in that role and that's okay. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't, it's not a, a sign of failure that you didn't climb the ladder and become Nick Saban. You know, there's only a few guys that are able to do that and that's okay. So it, it's going to be fascinating over the next few days to see how this, you know, plays out you know, back to just kind of the, the outside hire thing. I, I think Sean Lewis is going to be the, the outside hire name that gets the most buzz because what he was able to do with Kent state, and to me, what he was able to do with Colorado, given the fact that they really did not have much of an offensive line and Shadur Sanders was not given much time to do much offensively, they were pretty impressive. Um, even if they weren't able to win as many games as it looked like they might at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I still think that uh, Willie Korn has a pretty good chance uh, in all of this. I think that uh, there's a couple of outside higher names that that are going to have something serious to say about this. I'm excited to watch how it plays out over the next couple of weeks because obviously for Oklahoma, I mean, look, no brainer statement, but this is a big time higher given uh, you're jumping to the SEC. Oklahoma needs to needs to retain all of this offensive talent that it's gotten. They need to take it up a notch, right? They need to uh, continue to improve. So. I wouldn't mind uh, whichever direction you tell me is going to make Oklahoma a little bit more physical, can help along the interior, the outside of the offensive line, just up front in general for OU. So going to be interesting. Going to be a fascinating week, two weeks, whatever it may be. Yeah, and the portal season is just getting started. I mean, Marcus Hicks, DJ Graham have already uh, in, announced their intentions to enter the transfer portal. And so we'll cover the portal. We'll cover portal needs. What does Oklahoma need to go do in the portal to uh, solidify their roster for 2024? We'll do that and continue to cover the offensive coordinator search and whatever assistant coaching changes occur as well as the weeks go on. Make sure you subscribe to Locked On Sooners wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. Follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on Ref, myself at John Nine Williams. The show is at Locked On Sooners and on Facebook, Locked On Sooners podcast as well. And if you're sticking around, hey, go check out the Locked On Sports Dallas or Locked On Sports Today shows that are streaming live 24-7 here on YouTube as well. Go check them out. Again, we can't wait to discuss more off-season topics with you and find out where Oklahoma is going to go play in the bowl game. Championship weekend is coming up. We'll have our picks this week as well. Until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. Thanks for being here tonight on the live show. Boomer Sooner. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.